This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning. A real privilege to bring the Word of God today. We continue our series on the prophet speak. Words from the heart, words for now from the heart of God. Today the title of the preach is Rejoice and we will be looking at the words of the prophet Habakkuk. We read from Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 16 to 19. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Before we look at these verses, I want to set the context to set the scene. So Habakkuk prophesied at a time just before Babylon's first invasion of Judah. And at that time, Judah was in an active state of rebellion against God. So Habakkuk witnessed a lot of wrongdoing, sin, injustice around him. And he was very frustrated that God was not doing anything about it. So in this book, we see a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. Habakkuk asks many questions. So his first complaint is recorded in chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. And I read portions here. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? He continues, therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. So you can sense the frustration in Habakkuk. He says, God, why are you not listening? Why do you let me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? The law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. God provides an answer, but that was not an answer Habakkuk expected. God said he's going to send the wicked Babylonians to punish the evil in Judah. The Babylonians were a wicked nation completely motivated by their own greed and selfishness. Yet God decided to use them to sweep through 
Judah like a wind, as is recorded in verse uh, 11 of the first chapter. And this brings us to the second complaint of Habakkuk, which is recorded in verse 13 of the first chapter. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk is obviously shocked at God's plans. He cannot simply comprehend it. This is normal. We often do not understand God's purposes right away. And sometimes we never will. His ways are not our ways. So Habakkuk is essentially asking, why, Lord, would you use a wicked nation to punish Judah, who is more righteous than Babylon? I'm sure we all have some very difficult questions that we grapple with. Why would God allow the world to face such a calamity as COVID-19? Why would God allow so many people to die from disasters such as the COVID situation we find ourselves in? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there social injustice in the world, as we witnessed recently with the Black Lives Matter demonstrations? Why does God seemingly allow the wicked to triumph over the righteous? God provides an answer to Habakkuk's second complaint. So we read in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come, and it will not delay. So in summary, God's response is, be patient. I will work out my plans in my perfect timing. So Habakkuk now realizes that God is powerful and he has the power to intervene at the appointed time. He's assured that evil will not triumph forever. He's assured that God is in control and he can completely be trusted to vindicate those who are faithful to him. We must patiently wait for him to act. When Habakkuk heard from God, his attitude changes, not because all of a sudden all the troubles around him have vanished, but he has been reminded of who God is and what he has promised. So in Habakkuk 3 verse 2, he reminds himself, he says that, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So this brings us to the verses that we are looking at today. Habakkuk has heard some frightening news 
from the Lord. His country and people are going to face some terrible trials. And we see in verse 16 of the third chapter, the emotions that Habakkuk was experiencing. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He says his heart pounded, his lips quivered, decay crept into his bones, and his legs trembled. These, the words that he heard were very scary. Lots of pain and judgment were on the way. Things will get much worse before they get better. It is only natural to feel overwhelmed under those circumstances. Having emotions, fear is a normal reaction. But the question is, would you allow the emotions and fear to overcome you? Will you be swept away by them? In verse 17, he describes the dire situation ahead of the nation of Judah. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. So here Habakkuk describes a very catastrophic situation awaiting Judah. At that point in time, most of the people lived off the land as farmers, either growing crops or rearing livestock or a combination. And Habakkuk mentions fig trees, grapes and olives. All these are crops that takes a long time to mature. So there's a long time investment by the farmers to prepare the soil, to water it, and to provide the nutrition. You are looking at somewhere between three to five years. And so the farmer expects and actually needs a return from that investment to pay his or her debts, to pay debts, and also to look after the family. So after all these years, after all these toils, if the farmer walks on the field and there's no crops to harvest, obviously it will be very devastating. He goes over to the cattle stalls, to the sheep pen, and there are no livestock. Very, very devastating. And the trial that Habakkuk describes here is sudden. It comes with no warning. It's severe. It has severe financial consequences. This is not the normal sort of challenges that farmers face. The causes are not seen. There are no answers to the question why, how, or why me? What trials are you facing today? We know that the World Health Organization has described the COVID crisis as a one in a century crisis. I don't know what you are going through, 
you may be facing some chronic health issues. You may be suffering from prolonged periods of isolation from friends, family, friends and family. We know in the United Kingdom, we've lost over 46,000 people to the COVID virus, to the virus. Many people have suffered from illness, even within our church family. Statistics show that the first three months of the year, the UK economy contracted by 2.2%. And this is the biggest contraction in 40 years. My distant cousin got married last year. We all attended the wedding. And in March, he lost both his mother and father-in-law to COVID. A very, very painful situation. And I'm aware people in our church may have lost loved ones as well. Or you may know someone who might have lost someone to COVID as well. We are living in very difficult times. And how would Habakkuk describe the situation in the modern day world? He would say something like this, though the salary does not arrive, though there are no jobs to go to, though the offer letter does not arrive, Though the fridge is empty, though there is no food on the table, though there is no end in sight to lockdown, what trials and challenges are you grappling with at this time? Perhaps your challenges are not even spoken. They remain unspoken. But you are still contending with it. You cry at night. What wakes you up at night? Like Habakkuk, your heart pounds, your lips quivers, and you see decay creeping into your bones, your legs trembling at the thought and sight of the enormous challenges ahead of you. Yet, Habakkuk makes a conscious choice. So we read in verse 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Note what he says here. I will. He makes a decision. He decides in his heart and before the Lord that no matter how difficult things become, he will respond with a good attitude and, be, and he will be joyful. Why? Because of who God is and what he will do. No, he is not rejoicing over the circumstances. He's not rejoicing over the difficulties that the nation is going to face. He's not rejoicing that there will be no crops. He's not rejoicing that there will be no livestock. But nothing materially had changed around him. 
But what has changed is his focus. He chose rather to shift his focus from the challenges around him and to focus on God. And that made the difference. His perspective changed. And when we fix our gaze on God and remind ourselves that his promises are true, he's always there with us, we can rejoice. We rejoice not in our circumstances. We rejoice because he's faithful. We rejoice because his promises are true and what he's promised will come to pass. We rejoice because of our relationship with God. Because he is our saviour. And that outweighs the trials that we face. This is a question for you. Where do you turn when you face trials? Do you turn inward to your own understanding and depend on your own strength? Do you turn to some comfort or pleasure in the world to get off your mind to get your mind off things? Do you turn away from brothers and sisters in Christ and isolate yourself? Or do you turn to God? Habakkuk chose to rejoice in God, his Savior. In verse 19, we see the result of his turning to the Lord. We read, he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So what is the result? Victory comes. God brings strength. God will bring strength. He will give you the strength you need. Not to stumble through the trial, but to make you an overwhelming conqueror. That is the promise. So in Habakkuk's day, the topography of Israel was very rugged. And the probability of falling over and being hurt by the dangerous rocky terrain was very high. All he could see around him were pitfalls. God says he brings strength. He provided strength. That kept Habakkuk from slipping and falling. The God of Habakkuk is the same God today. He will give you strength. He will give you a solid footing and keep you from falling when you turn to him. So, in conclusion, the prophet Habakkuk has spoken. What can we learn from his words? What is God saying to us today from the prophet Habakkuk? It is normal to feel overwhelmed. It is okay to ask questions. But more importantly, 
rather than turn anywhere else. The second point is, turn to God and be real with God. Habakkuk was real. He voiced out his frustrations. He asked those difficult questions. Let's go to God with those difficult questions. Let's turn to God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says that, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We are not to lean on our own understanding. Habakkuk turned to God, his saviour. Is God your saviour? Have you accepted him as your Lord and saviour? Thirdly, hold on to the promises of God and remember his deeds. Habakkuk remembered the deeds of God. What are you holding on to at this time? During the Black Lives uh, demonstrations, because the kids were at home, they listened to the news and they came with very difficult questions to answer. But God reminded me of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and that really brought strength and enabled me to explain the situation to my kids. God reminded me that I am his handiwork. You are his handiwork. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And that brought me comfort, and I was able to bring comfort to the kids. So I explained to them that we have been created in God's image. He made us for good works. And no matter what happens around us, we are God's creation. And I also reminded them that in the past, God has promised me and he has fulfilled it. Even in the face of all the injustice that we see around us, all the things that God has promised some are yet to come to pass, but there are things that he has promised me that he has fulfilled it, even in the midst of all the injustice and the hatred that we see around. And therefore, what God has promised in your life, no matter the circumstances around you, it will come to pass. Nothing can stop God from fulfilling his promises in your life. He is a great God, and that should be the basis of our rejoicing in Him. Hold on to those promises. Make a decision. Choose to rejoice in God for who He is and what He will do. And finally, when we turn to God, and rejoice in him. Strength will come for the journey ahead. No matter how uncertain, challenging, long or difficult it might be. What are you facing? What difficult questions are you grappling with? What are those unspoken challenges that within you you've been struggling with? Where have you turned to? In times of crisis, where do you turn to? 
I end by reading a verse from a favorite hymn of mine. It asks a few questions, and I want to pose those questions to you. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? And the refrain, which I love so much, it says that we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Wow. This is what we hold on to. This is the reason why we can rejoice. Because God is a rock who cannot be moved. We are grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And therefore, if we turn to him in time of crisis, we will persevere because God is faithful and what he has promised us, he will do. Let us rejoice in God. Let us remind ourselves of the many, many promises he has made. Let us count our blessings and hope in God, even at this time. May you be blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.